Good morning. What a morning it has been so far. I want to ask you a question, though. Who here enjoys going to the zoo? Excellent. I wasn't aware that I did, um, but... Last weekend, I went to Edinburgh Zoo. I, I went to Scotland. My mum was 60, a shout-out on the camera. And um, we went to the zoo for the day, and we walked around. And I really enjoyed it. But what's striking about zoos, and I don't think this is unique to Edinburgh Zoo, what's striking about zoos is that the animals live a really solitary life. You know, there isn't one enclosure that all the animals live in, because if they did it would be absolute carnage. There's an enclosure for the sloths because they're a solitary animal. There's an enclosure for each tiger because they're solitary animals. We saw the only two pandas in the UK and they each have a separate enclosure. How the zoo staff expect them to mate and have babies, I do not know. But these animals, whether in the zoo or in, uh, in their natural habitat, are, live predominantly in isolation. I want to read something to you, though, as a contrast. Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. You see, humans were created not to be solitary beings. We are created to be in fellowship with each other. We're created for community. We're created in the image of God. And God, by very nature, is community because the Holy Trinity is operating together. There are three parts of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's community right there. You know, the COVID lockdowns, as I'm sure you will remember, have been pretty difficult for for most people, with restrictions being placed on our lives, not being able to see friends and family whenever we wanted to, no interaction with other people. And if we were made as solitary beings, we would not struggle with any of that. In In fact, we'd have thrived. But I guess the reason Zoom became so integral to our lives is because we're all desperate for fellowship. I reckon almost everyone here will have been on a Zoom call. A Zoom call to a friend, to a family, at a church meeting, to a quiz. We're made for fellowship. We're made to be in community with each other. Which is why I want to talk to us today from a passage in the book of Acts. Now, it it hopefully didn't pass you by that last weekend was Easter. And we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And the book of Acts is like a sequel to the Gospels. In very broad terms, Acts begins the section of the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection. And by the end of Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended to heaven. And Judas has been replaced as a a disciple. And in chapter 2... The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Peter stands up and addresses the crowds. And then we get to the verses that I want to look at today. So I'm going to ask Sam if he'll come up and if he'll read 
Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 to 47. And the, uh, the, the passage that we're reading is entitled, The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles. They devoted themselves to the They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. <clears throat> they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Thank you very much. It's like the Shoyer show today. There's a huge amount of content in that small section. There's five to ten weeks of sermon series that you could probably fill. And so... I'm not going to be able to cover everything today, but as I was preparing, there were just, I just felt prompted with a couple of specific points um, that I want to share with you today. This Christian community that we read about is effectively the first church. Um, the Greek word for church, uh, the Greek word used, sorry, is ecclesia, and it basically means a gathering or assembly. You know, this building is not the church. The building that we're meeting in today is not the church. It's just a building. The sign is that as you come in from the street, it says, this is home of Citygate Church. The wording is very careful because the church is a group of Christians that gathered, that has fellowship together. And from this passage in Acts 2, um, where the believers have gathered, I want to look at the first three words of it. The first three words are this, they devoted themselves. The key word here is devoted. It's not like a mediocre involvement, you know, just a few believers might have kind of bought into, um, into what was happening. It's everybody. It's the whole group of believers. It's not like we might try and stick to a New Year's resolution. That's not really devotion. That's like a, it's a kind of a half-baked attempt. Devotion is, is a loyalty where you're deeply committed to something. I'm pretty devoted to my family. I'm pretty devoted to breathing as well. And the, the, the early Christians were devoted to a number of things, and they're listed in verse 42. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. The apostles' teaching in context today would be uh, the studying of God's word because the early church didn't have a Bible that they could use. Some of the letters hadn't even been written. And so the apostles' teaching was the only way in which the believers would be able to understand about Jesus. It's the only way that they would hear about the love of Jesus, about the things that Jesus has done, about the grace that's on offer for those who put their trust in Jesus. 
It would have been radical, but they would have been learning about um, Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice and dying on a cross. Not because of the Jewish sacrificial process, but because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. They had a thirst for knowledge, which is why they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were also devoted to fellowship. Fellowship being spending time with people who have a common interest um, and share a similar interest with you. They devoted time to being with other Christians. We like being with people that share, uh, share an interest with us. Even if we don't have loads in common, we still like being with people that share an interest. There are probably people in this room that ordinarily in other walks of life you wouldn't maybe do life with because they're different. They're a different demographic. They're interested in different things. Excuse me, my throat has been not good today. But it's because they share something in common with you. That thing is the love of Jesus Christ. The people around us in this room love Jesus the same as we do. And so you spend time with them and hopefully they build up faith in you just as you build up faith in them. It's quite possible that the early Christian believers would have actually wanted to spend time with other believers rather than their non-believing friends because of the other gods that their friends would have been worshipping or things that maybe would have been contrary to what Jesus had taught. Before I was a builder, I worked in a bank, and I found it really tough to speak to people about Jesus in my office. There was just something about it. I can't put my finger on it, even now, about what was so difficult. My growth as a Christian has been most prevalent since leaving the bank, because now I work with people who are mainly Christians. On Friday, I had a conversation with Ron Clark about witnessing to family members. Just an impromptu conversation. I often work with Martin Goddard and Dean Pickering and John Latreet and Ali Duggan and Andy Watkins. Why? Because fellowship with other believers lifts my spirits. We talk about God's stuff while we're working. That's just the basis of conversation. It's not a building site as such because we're all just chatting about Jesus while there are people who aren't Christians milling around. We all share a common love and that's Jesus. The breaking of bread and prayer were also fundamental to Christian life. They devoted spending time just in the presence of God, reflecting on what Jesus has done for them. They remembered the commands of the Last Supper, taking the bread and the wine as remembrance of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And being devoted to prayer is an open dialogue that we can have between us and God. God longs to hear us thank him for what he's done. He longs to hear praises coming from us. He longs to hear what's troubling us. 
the Christians in, in Acts 2 were devoted to a lot. And I think that devotion to a lot of stuff indicates that they were really passionate about their Christianity. The second thing I want to look at is their generosity in verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. It's quite eye-opening, isn't it? It's quite, a, it's quite a startling couple of verses. And I definitely can't cover everything that, everything that I could do in, in the next 10 minutes or so. What I will say is this. I think that the Acts 2 believers understood the type of grip that they needed to have on their finances. And I'll explain what I mean. When I read verse 45, I have a dialogue in my head, and it goes something like this. They sold all of their possessions and their property. But if I sell my stuff and I give it to other people, how will I know that they're going to use it wisely? I don't think that's a wise or sensible thing to do. I've worked hard for my money, and I've got some money in a savings account, so maybe I could just take a little bit out. Maybe I could give that to church, because I know that Sean is sensible with money. Sean will know what to do with it, and he'll understand that I can't really afford to delve too deep at the moment with energy bills. But I guess every little helps. And I'm not trying to be facetious at all, because that conversation goes on in my head. Every time I'm prompted to give, or every time there's some reason that, in, that includes my money, and the trouble is that I, in my head, my grip is too tight on the finances that I have. It's kind of ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us from an early, from an early stage of life. How many of you have seen kids, and when they're playing, they're playing with loads of blocks, and then another kid comes along. Suddenly they scoop everything up, and then the other child goes to take some, and they go, no, mine. They've got way more than they can ever need. What do they need with 15 blocks? A generous child would give away the blocks to other people. Because that child would know that their parent will never let them be bored. They will never let them go without. And so if that child gave all the blocks away, the parent would make sure that there was another block so that they were sufficiently catered for. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says multiple times, do not worry. Some of the believers in Acts 2 may have heard this firsthand. Or they may know people who had been there and heard it. But they understood they needed to have a light grip on the finance. And that light grip means that there's more room for them to focus entirely on Jesus. 
They understood that they came into the world with nothing. Everything that they have is given to them by God. And they'll leave this world with nothing. They can't take it with them. All we're doing when we're here on earth is looking after what God has given us. They understood that by selling their possessions and their property for the benefit of others, it meant that the work of the early church could progress. They were so in love with their saviour, Jesus, they understood that it wasn't possible to serve two masters. It wasn't possible to serve God and money. So they made their choice. They wanted to serve God. They were generous because they had a kingdom mentality. And quickly, I want to look at uh, the third thing, which is evangelism in verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Peter and the apostles must have been in absolute awe. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, there were 120 believers. By Acts 2 and verse 41, there were over 3,000 that had been added. That's a huge number of believers. And the Lord added more daily. What's more important to know is that the believers were part of that conversion process. You know, evangelism is an overflow of the spirit-filled life. And the people who don't yet know Jesus are inquisitive. Jesus appeals to people. You know, evangelism isn't about numbers. Evangelism is about us being obedient. The Acts 2 community were obedient. But you know, salvation isn't down to us. I'll just quickly read 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, God has been making it grow. So, what changes do we need to make? I have my own list of things that I need to change. Just, just preparing for this, my list is, you know, there are four things on it. And I need, I need to address each of those. And every time I do prep and every time that I get up and speak, there's like a dozen things that I end up going, oh, wow, I should really, yeah, I can't stand there and talk if I'm not going to do, oh, yeah, I do need to sort that out. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you think, actually, I want to be part of that community. I want to know about Jesus' love. Come and speak to someone. Speak to the person you came with. You can give your life to Jesus today and I guarantee you won't regret it. If you're a Christian here today, though, maybe one of those three things is, um, is just niggling at you. Maybe you're, de- maybe, maybe you're not devoted Or maybe you lack devotion in a couple of places, a couple of areas. I personally find time to read the Bible. That's not something I struggle with. I do find a real struggle praying. My prayer time is is substandard at best. And I know that that's one of my four things that I need to work on after, after today's message. 
How devoted am I really? Maybe you just need to spend time with other Christians. Are you in a DNA group? Are you in a life group? Are you having conversations about Jesus in your day-to-day life? If you're not, take it from someone who has been in that situation. It is a really tough place to be. And it is much better working with friends who are Christians who I'm able to have a conversation with. Or maybe you're struggling with evangelism and the idea of of inviting someone to Alpha just makes your palms sweat. And you're thinking, oh gosh, I don't know. A couple of weeks back, we made some leaflets and, um, and there was a place for three names on there. Who are the people you're going to invite to Alpha? I quickly wrote down three names. I know exactly who I'm going to ask. Have I asked them? Have I heck? (laughs) Of course not, because it's a scary thing, isn't it? But the Acts 2 Christians, they loved Jesus. They were devoted to evangelism. Our vision at CityGate is to see lives transformed uh, every day across the bay. Wouldn't it be great if, as a community, we were devoted to our faith, we were generous with our resources, and we were willing and obedient to reach the nations?